It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to talk about day number two of official free agency, a day where there was actually quite a bit of action from the New York Jets. We talked about how there was a little bit of a lull, but not today. And of course, to discuss all of this, we bring in the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at jetsinsider.com. And above all that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's up, buddy? Uh, you know, just trying to stay awake this whole uh, this whole week and daylight savings kind of, uh, time is kind of whooping me. So just trying to stay awake right now, get through this. Let's peel the curtain back a little bit because I thought I was going to end up recording this show by myself. I was almost 1,000% convinced that you were asleep. And it was kind of like in pro wrestling when a guy is in a sleeper hold and the referee lifts his arm up once and the arm goes down and he lifts the arm up twice and the arm goes down. And the rule is if you lift the arm up the third time and it goes down, the guy's out and you call for the bell. Chris's arm went up for that third and just as it was dropping, he lifted his arm back up because he texted me like five minutes before the time that we had said that we were going to record to say that, yes, he had fallen asleep. But he had woken up and he was ready to go. So all's well that ends well, right, Chris? I mean, I'm awake, so it hasn't ended well yet. (laughs) We can discuss this tomorrow morning and see how how Well, let's get right to it. We started the day with all the buzz about Juju Smith-Schuster. There was a report by Ian Rappaport over at NFL Network that the Jets were in on him and that they were looking to make a splash. Then there was another report that the Steelers were back in on him. And, of course, everybody knows I do not want any part of Juju for a variety of reasons. And so I was not happy about this and my blood pressure went up. But then the late afternoon and early evening came and the Jets went in another direction instead of shelling out big money for Juju Smith-Schuster and likely releasing Jamison Crowder as a result. Instead, the Jets go out and they get Keelan Cole from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, the thing about Cole is he hasn't been a stud or anything like that, but he's been a very reliable, very productive wide receiver. In fact, last year, his production dipped a little bit but he still had 650 yards and five touchdowns, even though the Jaguars were basically tanking the entire season, and he had to deal with a cavalcade of terrible quarterbacks, the best among them, Gardner Minshew, who got hurt, then came back, then they pulled him, then you had Mike Glennon, you had that other kid whose name I can't even remember, so for him to get five touchdowns and 650 yards in a season like that, 
isn't half bad. And the thing that I like about this, Chris, is that last year when Robbie Anderson walked out the door, what we were upset about is they replaced him with an unreliable player who had a history of getting hurt and underachieving. This time they went out and they got Corey Davis, who's certainly an upgrade over Perriman, and they went out and got Keelan Cole, who is somebody who is extremely reliable, hasn't missed a game in his career in four seasons, and you know he's productive. So now you go into next season with this as your receiving core as of this moment, and I still think that they'll probably draft a receiver at some point. But you've got Jamison Crowder, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, and Corey Davis. Now, is that the greatest wide receiving core of all time? No, but that's fairly respectable. Those are four solid to good wide receivers. And I saw some people saying that this only works out if Denzel Mims turns into a superstar. I don't think that's true. I think if Denzel Mims turns into a good to very good receiver, the Jets will be fine in the passing attack next year as long as they continue to build up the offensive line, which is something that they're probably going to have to do in the draft, unfortunately. But if you think about it, if Mims takes a step forward, he doesn't have to become a superstar, but if he builds on what he did last year and is able to stay healthy, if Crowder is Crowder, if Davis continues on his trajectory, and if Cole continues to be what he's been for the first four years of his career, you're looking at a very solid wide receiver core, certainly much more respectable than anything we saw last year. Right, Chris? Well, yes, for sure, hands down, without a doubt. Um, let me just start here. Everything I'm about to say, it's all relative, right? But uh, Keelan Cole is, is awesome. Like, <laughs> Keelan Cole is awesome. He's awesome. I, I He's not the best receiver in the world. But when you're talking about a fourth, fifth receiver option, mm-hmm. and you got Keelan Cole, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you always want to remember also – it's not just, okay, that's your fourth receiver. That's if something happens to a, one of your top guys, he can step up and fill in for a couple of games. And that he, he has done throughout his career. He has just been able to be a guy that can have big games. Um, and he is very talented. Now, again, if you're sitting here and you're signing him to be your one or two, it's not, it's not going to be good. You sign him to be your, your fourth receiver, your fifth receiver, and that, that's a very good thing. He can play in the slot. He can play outside. He can stretch the field. He can run all the routes. Like, so he's a perfect guy to have as that like fourth receiver. If uh, Jameson Crowder needs to come out of the game, they can throw him into the slot. If they need to put uh, take out Corey Davis or Mims, they can throw him at, in either of their positions. He can do any of them. Um, <clears throat> so it's it really – and like you were talking about, they haven't had – last year they weren't able to start players out as good as he is. Even. Mm-hmm. And like they had a whole receiver core not as good as Keelan Cole. And now he's going to be their fourth receiver. And uh, I'll just uh, – you know, I haven't. I had a, a super busy, hectic day, so I haven't been able to get talk to too many people about going forward and what next plan is. But if if it's me in charge, this still doesn't stop me from uh, considering Juju because the idea, anyway, is if I sign Juju, I'm just swapping them out for a Jamison Crowder. So it it certainly wouldn't stop me from signing Juju if I'm Joe Douglas and. Uh, like I said, I haven't checked in to see if that's that's the uh, game plan there, but it wouldn't surprise me at, at either at this point. 
I wouldn't touch Juju, but I do think that what was going on there was a leverage play. We'll see, but I don't want Juju for a variety of reasons. Obviously, the off-the-field stuff and the immaturity I could do without, but also, I just really don't think he's that good. He's tough, and he's a good run blocker, no question about it, and he's good on the short routes, but... He's not an explosive player. I think you get more after the catch from Jamison Crowder. You only have him on a one-year deal. You don't have to worry about paying him big money. I just don't see the value with signing a guy like Juju to a big contract. I think he's really more of a number three wide receiver, to be honest with you. So I would stay away, and I'm hoping that this Keelan Cole signing is the last one that they do in terms of free agents other than other depth pieces because, like I said, I would rather that they just keep Jamison Crowder and go into the draft and get somebody that they can build with going forward. But thankfully, now we don't have to sit around and watch guys like Chris Hogan and Jeff Smith take meaningful snaps unless there's all kinds of disastrous injury issues. If that happens, then all bets are off, obviously. But right now, as you said, Keelan Cole being the fourth receiver, that is a big step up from last year. As far as the other moves that were made, Dan Feeney, the veteran offensive lineman from the Chargers signs, he's got 57 starts under his belt, and he also happens to be the owner of an incredible mustache. Guy looks like a 70s porn star, if we're being honest here. And even though he's got 57 starts, quite frankly, it is not a guy that you want to be your full-time starter. He's really bad. As a full-time pass blocker, he's had bad pass blocking grades virtually every year of his career. Reminds me a little bit of Pat Elfline, honestly. I think that's really what this is. He's a Pat Elfline, Tom Compton replacement. You remember Tom Compton, another guy that was sort of a super sub. The mustache alone and the fact that I can do what I'm about to do is reason enough for me to be happy that he's here, though. Fine! 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 <laughs> I I love Boy Meets World. I, I I was obsessed with Boy Meets World. I I was obviously as pretty much everyone our, our age was obsessed with Topanga, but I I was thrown off by that impression. <laughs> the famous Feeny call by Eric Matthews played by Will Friedle. So I'm sure he's gotten plenty of that throughout his life, and I'm sure throughout locker rooms he's gotten a lot of that. But I am officially deeming him Mr. Feeney from here on out. So anytime we refer to him, he will be Mr. Feeney. And as I said, Chris, really all he is is depth. 57 starts, not a lot of quality starts necessarily, but that's the kind of experience you want from a guy who you may have to throw in there in a pinch. Yeah, uh he he was signed as a backup guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's paid as a backup guy. He's going to be a backup guy. Um, <clears throat> again, this free agent class, obviously it was Thune that they were targeting at the offensive line. Anything else uh, is just going to be depth pieces. And when you're just talking about that, like, okay, uh, I don't know how, how uh, worked up or anything anyone's supposed to get about it. Uh, he obviously hasn't been great. Um, the charges themselves, offensive line has just been a disaster. But he's signed as a depth piece, so sure, go for it. And then the final move that the Jets made, and by the way, we should say Keelan Cole got one year $5.5 million, and Mr. Fee-hee-hee-hee got $3 million. And then the last signing here, LaMarcus Joyner, he got $4.5 million. He's at his best at safety. He was a really good safety for the Rams, and he ended up getting shuffled around 
to play slot corner. He wasn't as effective there. Spent some time with the Raiders, and now he comes to the Jets. We had talked about this in terms of them going after Keanu Neal, that the Jets would want three safeties they felt they could rely on. Keanu Neal obviously going to get a pricey long-term deal with Joyner, who's a little bit older. He'll be 31. You get yourself an experienced guy who's still reasonably productive, at least when it comes to playing safety, not quite as good at slot corner. And now you have Joyner, you have Marcus May, and you've got Ashton Davis, who you hope that Joyner and May can help bring along. So pretty solid move here on a one-year $4.5 million deal. These are the kind of moves that you like. If you're going to get these short deals done, you want guys that you know are going to be productive for the year that they're here, or at least that you are pretty sure are going to be productive for the year that they're here. You got a little bit more nervous with some of the one-year deals that they were signing last year, and that is a big part of why when you were at training camp last year, Chris, you took a look at this team and said, boy, they are not going to win very many games. But if you're giving one-year deals to guys like Joyner and Keelan Cole, those are the type of one-year deals you want to hand out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that and You're in a much better place when that's the type of stuff you're doing. Um, and yeah, the Joyner experiment, the decision to take him from safety where he was excellent. Like, I mean, excellent mm-hmm. at that free safety position. I, it was baffling to me at the time. Like, you normally see it the other way. Like, uh, so uh, somebody struggling at corner and then they like, you know what? Let's try you at safety. Like, that's what happened with Jalen Mills. Jalen Mills was such a disappointment with the Eagles at cornerback, and they tried him out at safety. And it was like, hey, this is kind of working. And Belichick's like, yeah, let me give you the bag now. Um, And that's typically how it happens. It happens players get older, and then they're like, all right. <clears throat> Remember that there was talk about should Revis do it? And it wouldn't have worked for Revis, but there's the – uh, Charles Woodson route, like this is a, a thing that's happened o- over the years. But to take him at his peak from being such an excellent free safety and then say, hey, you know what, let's just move you into the box and make you a nickel, it confused me at the time, and it absolutely did not work. <clears throat> and I love the idea of bringing him back. Now we'll have to see, he's, you know, 31 now, uh, how how it works, but – just from the versatility standpoint of what that this means, what it allows, it means that Marcus May doesn't always have to play that, uh, you know, they're not going to do as much single high stuff, obviously, but he doesn't have to take that free safety spot every time. They can uh, do some mixing and matching with Ashton Davis in the box. They can sneak Marcus May into the box every once in a while. They can let uh, – Marcus Jordan handled more of the typical free safety stuff. So it just gives them more flexibility, <clears throat> allows them to run those three uh, safety sets with a veteran, uh, with two veterans and Ashton Davis. So it just gives them more firepower, more playmaking ability back there um, and allows them to do different things in their coverages and mix things up more. Uh, it, it's, this is one of this is a secondary nerd in me type of moment. So I always talk about how partial I am in football to watching the corners and safeties <clears throat> and to be able to look and watch and see how they're going to use all three of them is going to be a lot of fun for me. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
As far as other moves surrounding the Jets, Brashad Perriman is gone officially. He goes to the Lions where his dad made a name for himself, his dad, Brett Perriman. So Perriman came here. He flashed at times. He was more or less exactly what we expected him to be, somebody who could make some plays from time to time, but overall be inconsistent and get banged up. We'll see if things work out a little bit better for him with the Detroit Lions. And the other big move that I'm hoping ends up involving the Jets somehow is that Kyle Fuller, two-time Pro Bowl and former All-Pro cornerback, gets released by the Chicago Bears. This is basically a situation where the Bears were trapped. They had no choice. They had to clear space. And so Fuller ends up being the odd man out. 29 years old, so he's on the backside of his prime. But if you look at his contract, Chris, he only has... One year of significant guarantees left. Any team that would trade for him would get him for $14 million this year, which isn't really that bad for a cornerback of his caliber. And then after that, you could more or less walk away at any time. I think there's two years left on the deal, and the dead cap money is like a million dollars. So you could just wipe him off if you really wanted to. As far as I know, he hasn't officially been released yet because, remember, you had the same thing with Hudson and Gabe Jackson where it was reported they were about to be released and then at the last second, teams started calling and they ended up trading him. So I wonder if there's a possibility that Fuller ends up getting traded at the last second. I was saying that if I was the Jets, I would call and offer that Leonard Williams pick, that fifth rounder that the Giants gave them to get Fuller. Because to me, to be able to get a cornerback of his caliber, especially on a short-term commitment, when you really have nothing in that secondary, if we're being real about it. We saw Bryce Hall last year for a handful of games, and he looked promising, but you can't really count on him. He's been hurt a ton, and again, he only played a handful of games last year when he came off of IR. And everybody else that's actually on the roster, like Bless Austin and those guys, they're depth at best. They're desperate at corner, and so... Kyle Fuller shaking loose, I would think, would be a smoke signal to Joe Douglas to go out and try and get him, especially after we heard from our friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium that the Jets were a finalist for William Jackson, who ended up signing a three-year $40.5 million deal with Washington, and that the Jets are very much trying to upgrade at corner, like big time. Like they're willing to spend there because they know that they have absolutely nothing at that position and they don't want to get torched in a passing league, especially now that you're going to have to deal with an ascending Josh Allen two times a year and other elite quarterbacks throughout the league. You've got to have capable cornerback play. And so I would hope that Joe Douglas gets in on this. Easily the top cornerback on the market now. I wouldn't want to give him a five-year deal or anything like that at 29 years old. But again, if they could flip a pick to get him before he gets released, or if they could even get him on a short guarantee, that would be awesome. Problem is, there's going to be a lot of competition for his services. Already rumors that his old defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, who's now the head coach in Denver, is going to make a strong play for him as will former assistant in Chicago, who is now the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley. He is on Staley's radar as well. So I think the Jets will probably get in on this at least a little bit. I don't know how far they're willing to push it, but if they really want to upgrade corner and they were willing to pay for William Jackson, who's 28, you would think that Fuller becoming available, especially since Joe Douglas has to know him. Their time in Chicago overlapped. He makes way too much sense for the Jets, I think, or at least for them to try and get him. All right, so let's start here. The uh, the, the news that he was going to be released uh, came after the league office hours. 
so he's not going to get officially released till tomorrow, mm-hmm. which still leaves time for teams to go ahead and offer for trades. That's mm-hmm. exactly how the um, Hudson and Gabe Jackson trades unfolded. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, people are definitely thinking that this is a possibility. Somebody could be like, yeah, no, I don't want to wait for him to get to free agency. Let me try to trade for him now. And the Jets would be wise to do that because of the two other uh landing spots you mentioned the familiarity mm-hmm. he has with the coaching staff there he can just feel comfortable doing that um and then so if they were to do that then uh, you know they just assume his contract for this year and yeah i have no uh problem envisioning joe douglas signing up for one year 14 million if he becomes a free agent uh, do i know do i see him being willing to be the highest bidder uh, or at least the highest bidder to make a difference over those comfort things. I don't know. I, I the he definitely has a better chance if he just says, you know what, screw it, I'm going to trade for him. Um, <clears throat> I I love Kyle Fuller. I've loved him since he was in college. He's been a little inconsistent up and down in the NFL, but still, especially like you said, there's really nothing here. Even if you can be as optimistic as you want about Bryce Hall, it's still such a ridiculously small sample size. Uh, we it, there, There's nothing. Like, you really just have to say it's nothing right here. You can hope for the best, but there's nothing. They're going to have to do something there. And that would give you more flexibility in the draft that you don't necessarily need to take one as another one as high. Um, so it just makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. It's going to depend on obviously compensation. <laughs> if he's the only one trying to trade for him, sure. But you know, if there's another team, is he going to be willing to go higher than that fifth? Let's just say like, so there's still things to work out there, but I, I certainly would expect him to check in and to think about it and consider it, maybe make an offer. Uh, it's just a question of if I expect them to actually land him. And right right now, I, I'd, I'd say there's a decent chance, but I, I, you know, there's probably a stronger chance he goes somewhere else still. You'd have to say that the Broncos are probably the favorites if he gets released just because he's got that relationship with Fangio and Denver does have plenty of money to spend. Philip Lindsay, the 27-year-old running back from the Broncos, gets released. Not ideal just because he's starting to get up there for a running back, but he would be a good fit for that Shanahan scheme. So if they were able to get him on a one-year deal and throw him into that running back room, wouldn't be the worst move in the world. The Giants make a huge move at quarterback. Watch out Daniel Jones. Mike Lennon comes in as the backup, so we'll get to see him. Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson both signed their one-year tenders today, the franchise tags. So both of them look like they are locked in for a year. There is still the possibility of a tag and trade with Allen Robinson, but now that he signed that tender, they could just keep him for the year. It's interesting, Chris, because there was a report that Kenny Galladay visited the Bears yesterday, and that might have scared Allen Robinson into signing that franchise tag. Galladay spent today with the Giants. He was visiting with the Bengals yesterday. Still no decision there, but we wait to see what Kenny Galladay is going to do. He's the top wide receiver on this market, so you wonder, if Galladay goes, does that mean that Juju ends up being the next domino to fall? Speaking of Juju, looks like the Steelers 
are back in the juju market. We'll see what happens with that. As you said, it's possible that the Jets could jump back in. It's all going to depend on the price. And as I've said, I really hope that they just stick with what they have for now. Pro Bowl fullback Nick Ballore, he's staying with Seattle. Former Jet, big move there for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson really likes him, so they're trying to do everything they can to keep him happy. Former Ravens center Matt Skura goes to the Dolphins. There was talk that David Andrews was going to go there, the center from the Patriots, but apparently he priced himself out. Somewhere, Adam Gase is screaming and raising his fist in the air as Darren Fells gets released by the Houston Texans. I think somebody's going to have to hire Gase just so Gase can sign Darren Fells. Jared Cook goes to the Chargers one year, $6 million. Still a reasonably productive tight end, and he'll be the replacement, at least in the short run, for Hunter Henry. There's some buzz around Marcus Mariota right now. According to Ian Rappaport, decision is coming as to whether or not they are going to release him. It's going to depend on whether Mariota takes a pay cut. They'll try to trade him, but if not, he'll be released I would say if you're a Jets fan, you really got to hope that the Raiders work something out with Marcus Mariota because if he ends up being released, he's somebody that could be brought in to compete for a starting job and take away another potential Darnold landing spot. The Giants signed tight end Kyle Rudolph. That story broken by our friend Nick Spano over at U Stadium. Kenyon Drake, a favorite of Jets Twitter just because they love to throw it in Adam Gase's face how Drake did better when he got away from Gase, which is funny. He didn't really do that much better. He wasn't very good in Arizona. He signs with the Las Vegas Raiders, a two-year deal worth $11 million. Incentives could bring it all the way up to $14.5 million. Defensive back P.J. Williams signs a one-year deal to stay with the Saints, $2.3 million fully guaranteed. Mitch Trubisky goes to the Bills to play behind Josh Allen. I actually kind of like that move because there's another mobile quarterback. I guess that system is sort of built for that. So maybe Trubisky is able to learn something there and grow from it if he can do well in the preseason or if the Bills end up clinching the division early and he plays a couple of games. Maybe he'll earn himself another opportunity. Joe Flacco visited the San Francisco 49ers today, potential backup for Jimmy G, or if they trade for Sam Darnold, it's pretty funny because you could have a replay of the Sam Darnold-Joe Flacco dynamic that we saw with the Jets this past year. Andy Dalton came out today and said he was told he would be the starter, on paper certainly, but you never know in football. Even if they tell you you're going to be the starter, you're always going to have to earn it. Will Fuller signs a one-year deal with the Dolphins, $10 bucks. The thing about Will Fuller is if he's healthy and not suspended, he could be a handful for anybody. So even more reason why the Jets are going to need to make an improvement at cornerback because if he does play in those two games where the Dolphins play against the Jets, he could be a lot of trouble for that depleted cornerback group. Carl Lawson and Justin Hardy had their introductory pressers today with the Jets. Carl Lawson said that a big part of the reason why he wanted to come to the Jets is because of Robert Sala. He said even just watching YouTube videos of Robert Sala got him all pumped up. He's ready to make a big impact on the Jets' defense. And then Justin Hardy, man, this guy really spoke with emotion today. He said that what drives him is his mother, and he plays as if... Every single snap, he's trying to feed his son, and he's all about heart. He pointed to his heart and beat at his chest and said, 
I'm all about heart. It's this right here. And he seems like an emotional type of guy that's going to be a really positive presence in the locker room. And particularly, he's going to be somebody that will help a lot on special teams. Cornerback Desmond King goes to the Texans one year, $3.5 million. Former Texans center Nick Martin signs with the Raiders as well. Giants sign Reggie Ragland to a one-year deal. Cam Robinson, who was franchise tagged by the Jaguars, the offensive tackle, he also signs his franchise tender. So there you go. That's more or less your wrap-up for this day and what's going on in free agency. Last note, though, Chris, we talked about this before we started recording. Justin Fields apparently ran a 4-4-1 today. So that's pretty good, obviously, especially for a quarterback. I don't know how much that moves the needle, but certainly an impressive display athletically by Justin Fields. So if we take a look at everything in a nutshell outside of what happened with the Jets, any thoughts in particular about day number two of official free agency? No, not really. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say that the, the about the Fields thing. Um, that I seeing that is great, uh, because it makes me think that that hip is fine. That that's all. That's really all is. Uh, you know, remember he got injured in that Clemson game, and he didn't look right the uh, when he played Bama fully. Um, so you know, the hip's obviously a tricky injury. Um, so that that was a concern. Uh, running that four four one, I I'm I'm gonna go ahead and assume that hip's doing all right. So there you go. That is everything that you need to know about what's gone on in free agency thus far. And Chris, obviously, we threw in those little nuggets from the presser. Carl Lawson looked pumped up. And as I said, I think Justin Hardy is going to be a fan favorite very quickly here. Yeah, he's, you know, he's another guy. Obviously, he's being brought in as a special teamer for a gunner. So, uh, you're not going to be expecting to see him playing a lot of corner or anything, but you're going to see him making plays. You're going to see him out hustling guys and your fans are definitely going to get a rally behind that. Chris Nimbley, the very big deal covering the jets for JetsInsider.com. Thanks so much for coming on as always really appreciate it. I know you've got plenty going on at JetsInsider.com, including all the stuff we just talked about, right? Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of words about the stuff we just talked about and then some more words about some other stuff we haven't talked about. But my brain is already quitting on me. So that's the most you're getting out of what those that stuff's going to be about. My takeaway from this is there will be words over at JetsInsider.com. So check it out and also check out Chris on Twitter at CNambly and at JetsInsider. And check out the work we're doing over at PlayLikeAJet.com. We've got brand new videos. Clayton Smarslock and Luke Grant put together a recap of free agency so far and their thoughts on what this means for the division going forward. Kayla Pace did her first episode of Pace's Playbook, and she was fantastic talking about the way Joe Douglas is building the team and whether or not he's been aggressive enough in free agency, what that'll mean for what he's going to do in the draft. So subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out that content on the website. And also we've got write-ups on all the moves that happened today. And I wrote a piece as well about Sam Darnold and how the Jets may be getting a little too cute with how they're handling this situation and that perhaps they need to pull the trigger before they run out of potential dance partners. So all of that is available at playlikeajet.com. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing 
doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.